And we've got our vet with us, Dr. Robert Stabler. Hello, Dr. Bob. How are you today? Good, thank you, Dave. Now, you're chatting about obsessive disorders. What can you tell us about that that we'll be talking about a little later on? We're going to talk about tail-chasing dogs, dogs that run up and down the fence line barking, and cats that just lick themselves and, in fact, can lick themselves naked, lick, lick, mm. lick literally off all the, all the fur off. And another one, dogs in utes. We quite often see them travelling around in utes. We'll talk about that. Yes, I was just travelling behind one the other day and it wasn't clipped to the middle, so the potential for it to fall off was really high. So we'll talk about that. Special guest joining Daniel Carrington, Daniel. And Dave, I've got an exciting interview with Melissa, who is our resident dog expert, as everyone would know, Melissa Dean. And she has had a fantastic time. We're going to be talking to her from Budapest in Hungary. Hello, Melissa. Hello, how are you? Fantastic. fantastic. This is Australia calling. I've always wanted to say that. This is Budapest answering. (laughs) Look, what are you doing there? I'm actually here with my kennel partner who's judging a dog show at the moment. Okay, so it's like a big international dog show? It is. There are 5,000 dogs here. Oh, wow, that's really big. And and when you think about, like, the Australian, biggest Australian show, which is the Royal in Sydney, has about three to 3,500. You're attending one that's got 5,000 dogs. That's right. And that's not the biggest show they have over here, but there are 5,000 dogs. Can you tell us, like, where is it held? What does it look like and what breeds are being shown? Well, we're in Budapest in Hungary at the moment and it is an all-breed show, so um, there are lots and lots of breeds being shown. Um, But I have seen three breeds over here that we don't have in Australia. Um, What are they? Um, One's the Moody it's spelled M-U-D-I, and they're a herding dog, so they belong in the same group as my border collies. And they're kind of a cross between a pulley and a permi that we do have in Australia. Okay. Um, another one that I've seen so far is a Cotton D. Tulia, which is a little dog like a Maltese Terrier, but they actually have a coat that feels like cotton. The owner let me actually touch it. It was really interesting. Um, and the other one is called a Magaya Agar. So there's a word for you. Um, <laughs> well, but you've got two fancy names, haven't you? I know. <laughs> Not like Bordeaux Collie. No. <laughs> or um, Australian <laughs> Shepherd. <laughs> yes, or a Waimurana. Of course, how could I forget that one? <laughs> of course. <laughs> so it must be amazing. I mean, just having to see... That breed that's got a, a, a coat that's like cotton to touch is incredible. So that would be something different that we don't yes. even get here. Wow. Okay. What are the breeds that you are most interested in? And, and how would you rate, I guess, the quality of the dogs that are being shown over there um, as opposed to the dogs that we show here in Australia and, and their quality? Well, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody who has listened regularly that the the breed that we came over to judge is the Border Collie. Um, We actually got, my kennel partner, Lauren, got an entry of 84, which is the largest entry they've ever had of Border Collies, from 15 different countries, which I think is amazing, yes. Um, The quality in Australia is far stronger 
in the Border Collie um, simply because we are the country of origin and our I think we've come a long way in developing the breed. Um, but there were some truly outstanding dogs. Uh, she found some really fantastic dogs that I think would fit easily into the show rings here in Australia. Um, the best of breed dog was a young male called Vermoose, and he was really lovely. I could take him home. Mel, I know in Australia when um, we were at going, we go to shows, they're held outdoors on the grass, and it's, uh, it's wonderful. We've got a good environment for that. Is it like that in Europe? Uh, no, no. It's a completely different environment. They do sometimes hold shows outdoors, but because they have heavy snow in winter, especially in the area I am at the moment, um, they have massive indoor arenas. And the one that, that uh, this show's held in, there's 15 different massive indoor pavilions, um, and, and we are taking up just one of those. Um, and the majority of shows in Hungary are held in indoor arenas. Okay. One of the other things you're holding there um, is a, a seminar for Border Collies. How did that go? Yes, the seminar was held just today, um, and it, it actually was very well attended. We had 40 breed enthusiasts come along and some actual FCI, so... Uh, the International Dog Federation, we had some judges attend as well. Um, and the feedback so far has been fantastic. Well, that's really good to be able to share your knowledge with, with other people from other countries. It's also, also very exciting when you get to talk to these, these people breeding your dogs halfway around the world, isn't it? It certainly is. And it's good to to keep up with how everyone else is seeing our breed and seeing what problems are developing and how we can fix that. And we did focus a little on that in the seminar. And being that you've been um, invited there, um, as, as we know with judging appointments and so forth, how have you been looked after? We have had a bit of a taste of what it's like to be a rock star. <laughs> I think I know a little bit about how rock stars feel. Um, honestly, it's been amazing. We've been picked up at, at the airport and chauffeured to our motel and taken out on private sightseeing tours. Uh, we have our own interpreter. Um, we have security so the exhibitors can't talk to you and you get shoved, uh, taken into your own dining room to have lunch with the rest of the judges. It's amazing. Amazing. Well, sounds like you're having a really good time and uh, we'll catch up with you when you get back. Thank you very much for taking the time out from all your stuff that you're doing over there in Budapest to talk to us. Thanks, Mel. My pleasure. I'll see you when we get back. Vet Dr. Bob and Christine's here now. Hello, Christine. Hello. How are you going? How can we help you today? Oh, I'm just calling about my dog. He's um, seven years old and he barks a lot when people arrive and when they walk past the house, yep. he's a terrier, yep. uh, cross. So I know it's in his nature, but is there anything we can do to stop him from doing it? 
If it's mainly with people passing by, if you can either block access to the front of the yard, that would be good, or at least increase the distance to the front of the house, uh, the front fence, so that he's not actually out there practising the problem. The more he barks, the more he chases the people along the fence, the more he thinks he's won, the more he thinks it's really good. He actually gets like a marijuana high from doing that. So it's better to actually keep him as far away as possible if you're going to train him to be sensible, then you need to practice sit and stay with treats in the house at the backyard. And then sort of when people go by, uh, before people go by, sitting closer to the front of the yard, but not right at the front of the yard. And so you're actually helping him to learn to be settled at a distance and then gradually reducing that distance. The problem is being a terrier cross, as you said, he's going to be a little bit more potentially reactive, so we have to do that very slowly. Yeah. And, and, and so what if I don't catch it in time, like before the people walk past? That, that's, that's the thing that, yeah, it's unpredictable about when the people are going to go past. So it's important to practice just when he's just sitting somewhere in the house or in the backyard. Just give a little whistle, ask him to come over to you and reward him for that with treats. A whistle tends to be a bit better because it goes through a lot of other noise. The earlier you interrupt the arousal, the less carried away he gets, the easier it is for him to settle. So, yeah, it's better to actually practice that at other times, but that exam situation of the people passing by is hard to, to predict. So a whistle to get him back to you, hopefully give him treats, and that'll teach him to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing. It's Pet Chat, and joining us now at 49216216 is Anne from Valentine. Anne, Hello. how can we help you today? I've got a seven-and-a-half-year-old German Shepherd who, when he was little, I've got four stairs at the back, just, you know, slat stairs, yep. and he slipped through when he was little, So, and then he got scared of coming up the stairs, so we blocked them in at the back, so yep. he couldn't see through them. Now, all of a sudden, at seven and a half, he's decided that he doesn't, he can't come up the stairs anymore, and often when he's been lying down for some time, he gets up and he sort of drags his back legs up until he stands up straight. Should I get him looked at? Definitely. He sounds like he's got some arthritis. Um, German uh-huh. Shepherd's bigger dog. Um, yeah, he's a big dog. And so it means that he's probably got some um, some nerve being pinched back there if he's dragging up slowly. When he looks at those stairs, he thinks, uh, I'm not, yeah. not sure. <laughs> and so it would be better to – very important to keep up the regular exercise. It would yep. be good to get a regular vet to give a good check over uh-huh. him. He yep. may need some x-rays. He may need some – Sasha's blend or fish oil or something to help with the release, relief of, of arthritis. He may uh-huh. need some anti-inflammatories as a low dose ongoing, especially coming into winter. There's also yep. an injection you can get weekly that really helps to reduce arthritis in dogs. And in some okay. old dogs, we give them weekly injections for four weeks and then once a month, and that just helps them to get going again. But it certainly sounds like if he's slow to get up, and he's just dragging his back feet a little bit, there will be some spinal pain or some arthritis up there, so it needs to be checked out. Our vet doctor, Robert Stabler, is here. Now, obsessive disorders, is there many of them with our dogs now? Well, it's the same as people. We actually, I don't don't actually know any dogs that have an obsessive cleaning disorder, but yeah, sort of same as people, they can actually pull their hair out, and cats are the classic to do that. When they're stressed and anxious, they actually lick more. The normal just grooming routine after feeding or when they've been outside just becomes an obsession and they do it, you know, 
30 out of out of not out of 60 minutes and it's the more they do it the more they lick the fur out the more irritated the skin is the more they do it sometimes we actually get cats in that uh, only have hair around around their head with the bits they can't reach so they've stripped all the fur off the rest of the body so it certainly is anxiety related the younger these obsessive behaviours start, the worse they, they are going to be and the harder they are to treat or manage. In dogs, we see things like tail chasing. And I remember many years ago being asked by someone um, on the radio, "Do are they um, more likely to do it clockwise or anticlockwise? Well, having been asked that, I've been keeping a bit of a note, and it's either way. You will get some dogs who are more likely to spin in a clockwise direction. That's their preferred. So like laterality in people, we're more right-handed or left-handed. Um, and other dogs will go, yeah, left to left one day and then right the other. They will actually spin and spin so much that they get dizzy, they fall down, they're exhausted. And then when they get their strength back again, then they get up and keep spinning. So it is the more anxious they are, the more strange things are happening, the, the the more obsessive they become. Can boredom also be something that leads them to pulling the hair out? It certainly adds to that because they haven't got something to keep their mind occupied. The same as dogs, if they're inside all the time, they go a bit bananas like us. Um, so they need to get out and go for a walk. Same as cats. If you do keep them inside, which doubles a cat's lifespan, you actually need to provide some enrichment. So elevated refuges, shelves for them to hide on little toys to play with. The more you interact with the animal with the toy, the more likely the animal is to interact with that toy when you're not there. Am I giving too much credit to a dog for intelligence that when you leave the house, if you don't take the dog with you, that it can get upset and go and do things around the house to upset because it's it's angry at you, it's trying to retaliate? Can that happen or am I giving too much credit to it? It's not so much revenge, I think, and, and this really isn't in the literature, but it people tell me all the time, the dog knows... Even just about before they wake up, if the dog shares the bedroom, that it's a work day or it's a day off. So the dog actually is more relaxed. It sees the people get up. They're going, oh, yeah, yeah, got to mow the lawn, got to, you know, get some food for the friends that are coming over, got to do this. Oh, it's a work day. I'm going to go and get that. The boss is going to yell at me. And so the dog knows, okay, the owner's here. It's going to be with me. We'll be doing some stuff. Oh, they're going away. Some animals literally, from the time the person gets up, they hide in their bed, they stay away from them, they ignore them, or they will come over and jump on them and harass them and, and try and get them to, you know, don't go, please stay with me, I know, I'll be really good, I will, I will, please. So, yes, they're all very different, and, and that separation anxiety can actually, yeah, turn into that obsession. They just start spinning and keep going. Some animals do trench work or track work. Up and down the fence, often there are triggers on the other side, uh, like a, a walkway, school, shops or something that they bark at. The more they chase and run, they get a, like a, an obsessive um, hit, a high, like marijuana high in the brain, and they keep doing it just because it, it feels good. So it's, it's why people go back to smoking all the time, because I just don't feel the same. Well, that helps and gets you feeling better. So there are things we can do about obsessions and anxiety. It's about understanding that this is the, the problem. The problem is the more they do it, the more it develops a memory track. So we have to actually interrupt that as early as we can, redirect it to mm. food, toys, bed or something like that. So if we interrupt and redirect, it helps to change the cycle 
and it avoids them spiralling downwards into that obsession. Vet Dr Robert Stabler here. Now, we've got our pet rescue animal of the week, and it's a pussycat today. What can you tell us about it? We've got Millie this week from um, Cat Rescue Newcastle, and she's about seven. She's a girl. She's a tortoise shell, mostly white with some other shades of, of brown and black in there. She's a bit anxious, but once she settles into a place... She's been really good at the uh, foster carer's house and really enjoyed and, and settled in. So cats, when they're rehome, can be a bit uncertain, but once they settle into the routine, then, yeah, it's very hard to uh, move them. From Is there anything routine. you can do to help settle them in? It's, it's just about spending time with them, as we're talking off air, just about parenting. It's about investing time in relationship, so little bits of stroking, helping to make sure that the cat has a nice little elevated refuge on a shelf, Rub your hands and feet on a, on a security blanket. Leave that with them. The more you play with the toys, the more the cat will play with the toys. Each cat, like us, will have a different personality. So this one, um, just the look of her, have a look on, the, on her photo on the website. She looks like she's got a little bit of mischief in there, perhaps, and, and would be a really good play cat. She um, is just very astute and wondering what's going on and looking around her. So she will be a lovely little um, cat for someone to to get a hold of and she's comes already desex, microchip, vaccinated, worm, flea treated, so she's ready to go and settle into your house. It's an annual event, I think it's on this weekend, the Million Paws Walk, is that right? Yes, RSPCA's major fundraiser is on at Spears Point Park this weekend. It's migrated from Morpeth. It has. My wife's a bit disappointed because she can't go to the shops up at Morpeth, <laughs> but I'm sure she'll have a nice time at Spears Point. Yep. Um, and it starts at 8.30, goes till 2.30. You've got a choice of two or five kilometre walks. Um, you can register online. It's just amazing when I go every year to see all these dogs and all the people and there's, there's, I've only ever seen one or two fights in 10 years. Is there any rules? Do the dogs need to be on a leash or a harness? They're on a lead and they have to be in, under control. But really, there's so much things happening. They're wandering through and there's lots of stalls and things there for people to look at. There's um, show, um, show and, and there's a clown and all sorts of good fun. Really good day out. Okay, so that's this weekend. Now, the topic we wanted to talk about, dogs in utes. We see them quite often. Is there any rules or regulations to having a dog on a ute? It's actually a a prevention of cruelty to animals um, regulation that you have to have your dog secured to the middle of the the cab at the back of the tray. tray. And so the reason for that is that if the lead is too long, the dog can actually flip its body over the tray, over the edge of the ute, and either hang... Or I have had to try and put dogs back together that have actually been dragged along the bitumen. Oh. So it's really important. They're your best friend. They are up there. They're having a great time. I was following a boxer last week. So they enjoy it. They enjoy being up there. It was happy. It was looking around and with its lips and tongue going everywhere, and it was having a ball. But it, um, it was just a little bit long. It could actually get up, and and it could have actually flipped over, especially roundabouts where you know people hurdle around those, or you have to stop suddenly. Just really important to keep an eye on what they're able to do and make sure they're uh, they're chained in nice and close. You can just put a bit of chain across from one side of the cabin to the other on the tray, and and just you can clip the lead straight in and and tie it up securely. And let them walk along across it. They can walk across a little bit. They need to be able to lie down. So if it you know if it is a bit um, uh, and, and often they don't like, it depends on the dog, but they will prefer to be on their all four feet so they can balance, go around the corners, that sort of thing. So they have a great time. You see that look on their face. Well, I'm glad they're enjoying it. They look like they're having fun, so <laughs> it's good for them. But it's very important for safety first. Same as kids, we secure them in the vehicle. Dogs these days have to be in a chest harness and secured in the vehicle in the back seat as well.
Okay, so there we are. We can get them out and about with this, but just do it and be mindful about the security and safety. And, and just let them know that it's okay and they're going to a fun place. Of course, they know when they pull up to the vet that it's not the right place they want to be, but yeah. <laughs> just before we move on from it, is your topic today, obsessive disorders. Any more you can share with us about that and some other disorders maybe we could... I think, I think the important thing about obsessions is, same as in people, we need to interrupt and redirect. We need to manage the time of the animal. So we need to get it out, do little bits of play, make sure we get it out for a walk in cats, make sure you spend that time brushing and grooming, having a bit of game of hide and seek. And if it does get really bad, we actually need to use anti-anxiety medication to try and settle the brain, get the balance in the neurochemicals back again. So the animal is not totally obsessed with that. So the same with us, the more obsessed we are with things like our iPad or our phone or Facebook, then the less we're actually able to communicate well with, with other people around us. Same with animal. Spend the time, build relationship every day, try and go for a walk, play, train, enrich the environment and help them to have a downtime where they have to stay on their bed. What about if you get to the point where you are really getting concerned about what's happening, it's not getting any better, is there someone you should go and see? Very important to go to your regular vet to get a health checkup to make sure there's no physical ailments that might be causing it. Have had dogs that have come in because they've had a, sh- a sore shoulder. That's very hard to say quickly. A sore shoulder, but that's because they're actually spinning when they go on the back deck. Um, and actually they can wear their pads out on their feet. So it's just really important to watch and observe. The more time you spend with the animal, the more you learn from it, the more you understand it, and the more that you can yeah, build relationship, and it's really good for our health. Can there be different disorders between a dog that's in the backyard and lives in the backyard to a dog that's in the house? Outside they tend to have other things to do. They can play with bugs and chase birds and things. Whereas inside, they tend to be more, if you like, attached and obsessed about the owner. So they need that respite time. They need that time away from the owner so they can yeah, just settle down and be more relaxed. So very important to see what your animal does, what are its favourite toys, how does it get have fun and what's the best way to keep it happy and bouncy. Like us, we have to look at our mental, physical, spiritual health and that way we can hopefully face the new day. Okay, then. Yep, you've done well. Thank you so much for that. Um, back with us next week. We think it's David? David. Uh, Dr. D- David Tabrett with us? He'll be back next week, yes. Okay, and we do it every Wednesday between midday and one. It's Pet Chat, a chance for you to talk to our vets like we had a few calls today. Thank you so much, Dr. Bob. My pleasure. It's uh, wonderful. Another thing I wanted to mention, we haven't done this for quite a while. When it comes to you, uh, if anyone would like to talk to you about behaviour of their dogs and that, What's the phone number we can call to find out after hours from here? Like 0249543415. There you go. Or you can look at the website or the Facebook page. Stabler Behaviour. That's the one. That's it. Thank you so much. We'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks, Dave.